You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 306, we're discussing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the Batman, and collecting at scale. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Carlos. And I'm Ian. It's back! Back! Welcome Woo! back to the show, man. It's been a minute. Happy New Year to you. It's uh, it's a brand yeah. new nerd year. How's how's things with you, man? Good, good. Yeah, man. I've uh, I missed quite a lot, really. I think it's been a crazy time, especially over the New Year period. I mean, I missed... The No Way Home episode. I missed Book of Boba Fett premiere end end of year review. So yeah, I missed quite a bit, but uh, I'm back, man. You're here. Really good to talk about some stuff, and uh, it's yeah, it's been a busy, busy few months. Crazy Christmas time, and yeah, just because of of work and stuff, it's been a bit hard, especially with the time difference. But I'm I'm happy. I'm glad to be back for for an episode and. Uh, chat some nerd with you guys yeah it's gonna be an exciting one you know like you said we've we've had a hell of a a few weeks here with peacemaker the book of boba fett no way home fallout but one thing that we haven't discussed yet because there's been so much going on is dr strange and the multiverse of madness we had this trailer at the end of spider-man no way home and then it popped up online just a few weeks ago and we have yet to actually discuss that trailer and there's a lot of discourse online right now about who is actually going to appear in that film there's this big precedent set by no way home about who can appear in a film and it looks like the multiverse of madness is going to take that and ramp it up to the nth degree and we're also going to talk about we have to guys again the batman it is going to be on the tip of our tongue until that premiere date on march 4th 2022 but we've got the runtime here and we got to discuss this a little bit and how much carlos has been listening to that theme that was dropped this week as well (laughs) (laughs) just incredible and we're actually because it's been a slower week in nerd in general we're actually going to take a minute over in our weekend nerd and do a little collecting spot where i mentioned collecting at scale in the episode title and we're actually going to run down the scale of collectibles something that we often talk about here but want to take a bit of a deeper dive into from your quarter right down to your three and three quarter inch scale collecting figures talk about why we collect specific scales the cost the benefit the displayability of those scales we're going to run all that down a little later on the episode plus of course our weekly pickups but guys we're gonna waste any more time let's get straight into it and talk of some multiverse of madness in this week in nerd All right, everyone, welcome to This Week in Nerd, our weekly news segment where we break down the latest and the greatest from the world of nerd. And guys, like I said just a few seconds ago, it's been a slow one. It's been a quiet one. But this allows us to reflect back a little bit on some of the things that have flown under our radar for the first part of this year. We're already almost through January, which means we're less than six months away from the debut of the next big MCU film, the direct sequel, I will say, to Spider-Man No Way Home, and that's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We've got a trailer in front of us, a teaser somewhat, but maybe more interesting is all the rumors on the internet about who is going to show up, who is going to come through the multiverse and make their presence felt inside of the beloved and the coveted 
MCU timeline. Breaking that open was Spider-Man No Way Home, and it looks like the Multiverse of Madness is really <laughs> going to ramp this thing up. So, Carlos, I want to I hear from you first here. You know, we've, we've talked a lot of Multiverse. Let's crack this egg right open. Let's, let's hear your thoughts on this Doctor Strange trailer first before we get into the cameos. This little setup that they've done, really, like I said, dealing with the fallout from No Way Home. We've got Wanda in here. We've got a slew of characters that we're familiar with from the Doctor Strange universe, the introduction of America Chavez. So there's a lot going on already in the Doctor Strange universe, but expanding it out, including the multiverse, is going to bring a whole new layer to it. But this trailer, intriguing, interesting. You know, the first time you did see it was at the end of No Way Home, correct? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was like the de facto post credit scene, I guess, mm -hmm. for No Way Home. Uh, I, to be honest, I wasn't blown away by the trailer, but I thought it was, I, I did, uh, kind of smirk because it really felt like they were trying to catch on the heat that the oh, new yeah. No Way Home would bring. <laughs> so it was like, let's throw this trailer together really quick. So we have something to attack onto this juggernaut movie, uh, that's going to be coming out with Spider-Man at the front of it. Uh, it was okay. Like the, the treats were nice, um, to pay off WandaVision makes sense. And, uh, you know, that they're going to bring that uh, damaged or tainted version of the character back from what if was a, an interesting yeah. twist. That was that was the one thing that I mm. thought was really cool and kind of uh, made me perk up in my seat a little bit. But uh, for me, the big draw is actually Chewie Telegia for as Baron Mordor. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think he's one of the more interesting actors that's in the MCU. And um, I, I liked his story through the first Doctor Strange where uh, he was clearly a protagonist for the film until uh, his faith was rattled a little bit. So, yeah, I'm cool with that. And I'm cool with Doctor Strange being the uh, the linchpin for all the multiversal mm -hmm. shenanigans because they, they did do a good job setting it up in the first movie. Uh, I'm sad that Scott Derrickson's not coming back. I, yeah. I like that dude and I think he crushed it with that first movie and I don't know. I, I'm not as in love with Sam Raimi as some people are, but uh, we'll see what happens. And with these directors, like they always have the the watchful eye of Kevin Feige and his guiding hand. So it does, I could go in and direct those things and they'll probably turn out <laughs> all right because that guy would take care of business. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but uh, it, it'll be cool. It'll be cool for sure. Yeah. And I think to your point about Doctor Strange being a little bit of the linchpin, the keystone to the multiversal side of things, I like that too, because to me that creates a mechanism for opening and closing the multiverse, right? You have the right characters in play and in place to deal with this thing. And it's not going to be this huge mess is going to span. Yes, you do have Loki on one side of it as well. But again, it's a character and a mechanism that they've set up that allows them to, to use this more, I think, strategically in certain movies and certain aspects of the MCU and not have this be this massive, humongous sort of perpetual storyline that they're kind of running through that just allows you to to fill your films full of cameos and your movies just come become about cameo watching, cameo spotting. Like, I still want a substance. I still want a, a story of Doctor Strange because that was my fear with No Way Home, and they blew me away with that, that it was going to become a multiverse movie and not a Peter Parker Spider-Man story. I do have similar concerns with this one, but it does look like they are bringing back the characters that are important to Doctor Strange, and hopefully he gets his story. 
And like you too, the the evil Doctor Strange was a, a big perk up of my seat as well because I had assumed that Wanda was going to be the antagonist in this film. She still may be an antagonist, but him walking into this, if that's the what if version, I was like, okay, I can I can dig this. This seems cool and it makes what if extremely relevant, I think. Um, but Ian, man, what, what are your thoughts here on this trailer and what we could potentially see in the Multiverse of Madness? Yeah, I guess I'm the same as you guys. I mean, the the first time I saw the trailer at the end of the movie, I wasn't really blown away by it. And I don't know if that was just because I was already so hyped up from watching No Way Home. You know, it just kind of took me took me out of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some parts that were quite exciting. I think that evil Doctor Strange is the one for me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think out of the, the what-if episodes that was definitely one of the stronger ones and one of the ones I liked the most. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of excited to see that. Um, and yeah, it kind of, it's it's a good one, I think, because Strange, Strange is a funny one for me. I I don't, I think out of the, the MCU movies, it's one of my least favorite, the the first Strange movie. I'm actually with you on and that I think, one too. Like, I, I don't, yeah, it's one see, I revisit. And I love that one. It's one I revisit. I love that one. I don't know what it I is. I think I've only watched it twice mm-hmm. and I don't know why. And I, I think... I don't know. It's something about I like. I mean, I like Strange as a character, but I just didn't find it that that interesting. And I think Infinity War kind of brought me back to Strange and made me really appreciate, you know, how powerful he is and how how great of a character he is. But then again, in No Way Home, I I, I mean, I love that movie, but I do feel he was the weakest link in that movie, in my opinion. Just just because of how he used the power and but then you know seeing this trailer it did, did make me more excited because it makes you kind of answers might answer those questions that you know you got mm. strange who is crazy powerful really and now you've got these these multiverses so of course in these multiverses there would be a strange who is who could be potentially evil and you know with that that power that he has he is going to be a force to be reckoned with so i I think that's kind of a really good way good way to take it Mm -hmm. um but yeah i do still have my concerns especially you know after seeing no way home and having these these characters come back and how amazing that was i just don't want them to overdo it with this movie and you know us get too much all at the same time and some of the rumors are kind of pointing in that direction (laughs) so i don't know we'll see I mean, again, like like Carla said with Raimi, I'm not I'm not the biggest Raimi guy. There's not that many movies of his that I can actually say that I I like. So it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, still exciting. Yeah, and I wonder, like Carlos said, how much of Raimi you're gonna see in this film. I think these big pivot or pillar films that are adding layers of complexity or contributing to the grander narrative in a super meaningful way. And not to say that some other movies don't, but I think director, the director of Shang-Chi, the director of Eternals, James Gunn with Guardians and all that, I think you see a lot more of those directors in those films because they aren't having the same sort of massive impact on the universe where a film like this and maybe No Way Home, 
because but you have Watts who's been there for three films and that's a Sony film as well. But a film like this, I feel like there's going to be a, like you said Carlos, a lot of Kevin Feige's hand in here being like, "Nope, we got to steer this way because we're spinning this out and this out and you can touch on this, but you can direct this little sequence in here if you want, Ramy. You know, you can have a little free reign with that." <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the biggest evidence of that is the fact that Scott Derrickson yes. walked away from the project. Yes, exactly. Right? And that was why he walked away from it because he couldn't make the movie that he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's the proof in the pudding, really. And I forgot all about that until you started talking about talking through it. But yeah, the, and it is what it is, right? Like, I, I think we have to accept that the it, MCU is a producer-led enterprise yes. and that's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, no, it's, it's a style uh, and it's a successful style as well. Yeah, right. totally. <laughs> So let's let's talk about some of those cameos as to what could be happening in the multiverse of Madness. So I'm just gonna rattle off a list here, and then Carlos, you can comment on on some of these as wild or as maybe as predictable as some of them could be. These could be run throughs. These could be images. These could be characters that have absolutely no lines, but they're talking a lot of cameos here. Loki seems like a someone that should be in this we've got the the reappearance of chris evans in a hydra cap and potentially a johnny storm has been rumored tom cruise as tony stark iron man of course hugh jackman as wolverine deadpool ryan reynolds we've got tommy Aguirre as spider-man any of the x-men characters but particularly patrick stewart's professor x maybe fassbender maybe mckellum as magneto the entirety of the Illuminati has been rumored for this film as well, which includes, of course, not only Doctor Strange, but Black Bolt, Namor, who is rumored to be debuting in Wakanda Forever, a, another Tony Stark, Reed Richards in that Illuminati group. Uh, the Illuminati in different versions also included the likes of Black Panther or characters like Captain America, Captain Britain even made an appearance in there at some point as part of the Illuminati. So, a huge list. I, I'm kind of excited about this multiversal Illuminati. I think that's a really cool idea. But hearing this list and even looking at the opening credit sequence to the Multiverse of Madness trailer, it has all of the different versions, all the different universe Marvel logos flash up all at once, which is kind of neat, which kind of lends you to the idea that we're going to see more of what we saw in No Way Home. So of that list, one, who would you like to see? And two, what's the most realistic cameo that you could see or cameos you could see happening in this film? The one I'd like to see is Ben Affleck as Daredevil to watch like the oh, that's another just one. implode. Yeah. yeah, that's another one actually that's been out there that he's been contacted. You're right. I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, I'd like, and to be honest, like I quite love the Affleck Daredevil movie, like both versions of it. So I'd like to see it much like with the amazing Spider-Man movies, how they had this uh, resurgence mm-hmm. and a bit more appreciation for them once they showed up as part of the the MCU um, uh, universe, I guess, or multiverse. Uh, I'd like to see those get a, a second chance. But uh, one I'd like to see... Well, yeah, I guess I guess uh, the DD is mine. As far as realistic goes, I don't think you're going to see the Illuminati or anything that hasn't been introduced that we're going to get in a substantive way. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we're going to get a Reed Richards until they do their Fantastic yeah. Four movie and uh, things of that nature. 
Patrick Stewart, I don't know, man. Like I, I love Star Trek and I watch all the shows and in Picard, like he's he's starting to look kind of old yes. and frail. So he looked old in Logan. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. So I don't know that I'd want Patrick Stewart or too many of the X Men. I think you've got to do the Hugh Jackman cameo and then open the door for mm. Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, right? Because you could build off a couple moments seen with him into a Deadpool three or whatever. Um, but yeah, the the ones that I think would be the coolest would be ones like Hydra Cap, yes. where you're taking existing characters that we know in the MCU, but turning them on their head mm-hmm. and showing us different versions that like you wouldn't necessarily need or want a full movie of the Hydra version of Captain America, but it's cool that they just kind of give it a nod and a bit of a live action taste and, and off you go. So Just that uh, black and red suit, man, would be awesome, right? You just need a flash scene of it. Yeah. So those are the type of ones that I would be the most curious for. Something like Tom Cruise's Iron Man. Uh, I doubt that that's happening, but I think it would be hilarious to see uh, happen. But come with me. I, I'm I'm here for it. Like I, I think they'll sell a lot of tickets just based on the prospect of mm-hmm. what could show up as they open those doors or pieces of glass start reflecting. So. Yeah, and it, it seems like anyone who's ever been rumored for a role in the past is up for a role in the multiverse of Mattis, at least when it comes to the rumor mill. And that's where that Tom Cruise one come really comes into play. Realistic, eh, I don't know. But yeah, for, for me, like the Illuminati would be cool, but Evans as, as Hydra Cap, man, give me the Marvel Legend, give me the freaking hot toy. I would love to have the yin and yang of that character in here. I it doesn't need He doesn't even really need to speak. He can just yell, Hail Hydra. Right, it's a, a flash of a, a what if scenario, and I, I'm game for that. I think that's a cool thing that they can explore, and, and it's a way to to give this sort of massive cameo feel to the multiverse without overblowing your film. You know, you you do this in flash moments. You do this very quick. It's a couple scenes. It's Jackman. You know what I mean? And you canonize a lot of stuff, but it's really not the focal point of the movie. And that's where, like, again, coming back to Noah Home, I thought the multiverse aspect was going to be the focal point of the movie. And it was just very much the icing on the cake, I think, of it all. And so, yeah. Ian, what, what about you? All these cameos, all these rumors out there. What's one that you'd like? And what do you think is realistic? Oh, man, that's difficult. I mean, you you brought some good ones. And I hadn't even heard of half of these. Like, <laughs> I'm still trying to process some of those <laughs> ideas, man. It's, some of them are pretty crazy. Um but yeah, a Hydra Cap would be pretty cool. I mean, I think, yeah, seeing some different takes on characters would be pretty awesome. I think seeing a Tom Cruise, uh, Tony Stark would be would be pretty hilarious. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio as Spider-Man? They... Come on. <laughs> James Cameron version? <laughs> James Cameron version? <laughs> uh, I feel like Daredevil, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome, man. Um, but yeah... Like... I, I mean, talking about who's realistic, it's it's kind of, as you said, I think a lot of it will just be kind of just, you know, snapshots of these characters. You, I don't think you'd be able to bring so many of them into the actual main story because, I mean, that'd be insane. Like, that's a lot of explaining to do. Um, it'd probably be something like, you know, the, the Spider-Verse movie where you've got, like, different versions of these characters that, and kind of like No Way Home that help out and stuff. Um, who would I like to see? I don't know. Going back to the what if, I guess I'd like to see a Captain Carter. I'd like to mm. see 
uh, Hayley Atwell on the table, back man. as Captain Carter. Because I think that would be. I mean, she's she's kind of a bit of a favorite from from mm-hmm. that show, and I think that'd be a kind of good take. And it wouldn't take as much explaining, and and uh, you know, I think that could really contribute to the story. Um, but you yeah, some X Men would be great, man. Like, yeah. I mean, bringing Wolverine has to happen, and I think I think that's pretty much guaranteed, man. I don't think <laughs> they'd miss that opportunity, to be honest. No, <laughs> Carlos, were you gonna say there? I was gonna say like. As Ian referenced, what if I think you'd probably get Michael B. Jordan as Black Panther, mm-hmm. just in live oh, action man. to plant that seed, and then whether or not they use it in Black Panther two, uh, that's up to Ryan Coogler and what he's working on. But you know, if it's kind of in the in the universe now, then you could pull that thread for Black Panther three, depending on what reception is for two, and go from there, right? And even if you don't use him, we get to see a cool Michael B. Jordan another version of him is mm-hmm. the black panther so mm-hmm. it's, it's almost oh, like man, a, that's, a, that's, an, that's an amazing idea man i didn't even think about that just having michael b jordan come in as black panther that would just fix everything man well you have to think too if you look at what has been filming in the last year and what is currently filming i would put any of those character actors on the table for making a cameo appearance right anything from wakanda forever anything from thor love and thunder anything from guardians right now because it's easy right you have these these guys already and you could you could take half a day of their time and cameo them you could have thor without a beard cameo right and have a completely different hemsworth that's already shot and canned somewhere else but they just had taika watiti direct it right and so the, the, the possibilities are really endless because you don't need like this could have already been done when the last few stan lee cameos were all shot by james gunn like he shot like three or four of his cameos all at once. And mm-hmm. and so like there's efficiencies to this and a Michael B is on the table because he could actively be filming parts of Wakanda forever. We don't really know what's happening with that movie. But yeah. Ultimately, I, I think I, the Black Panther the Black Panther does make a lot of sense, I think, cuz to me even Wakanda Forever kind of feels like it's a bit of a you know, a kind of transition movie, like a segue into a new Black Panther. So it, you know, we don't know what's going on with that movie, and it, it might not actually be a Black Panther movie. You know, it might be that transition from um, the first movie to a, to a new Black Panther, and yeah, bringing a new actor as Black Panther in Multiverse of Madness makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll certainly see. We've got less than six months till this movie debuts in the early part of May, and this is traditionally the big Marvel movie month, that end of April, early May. And so this is one of their tent poles for the year with Multiverse of Madness. They're padding out the front of the year with things like Moon Knight and the Disney Plus shows. But our first big screen character is going to be Doctor Strange and it's going to be this movie. And they have a lot to live up to, right? The, the, the barrier now or the threshold is no way home for this multiverse storytelling. And so they've got to get this right. There's been lots of reshoots on this and these endless rumors. And so going into this, I don't know if it'll have the same amount of buzz as a returning Maguire or Garfield, but you never know what they're going to put out into the universe as far as, as what can happen here. And that's where a lot of the hype's going to build for this in the same way that the hype built behind the scenes for months for No Way Home. So 
it's cool to see this and i'm glad we got to to finally talk a bit about multiverse of madness and we'll surely get a trailer within the next couple of months here to really break down in some detail and maybe giving us a better hint as to exactly where this movie is going because even this first teaser it's it's very much divergent from what i thought we were going to get in that given the rumors with wanda and doctor strange so it uh it's turned itself on its head and let's see what they can uh they can pull off in the future. But before we get to, to May, guys, we've got another big movie, probably the most anticipated and potentially the biggest movie of 2022. And it's going to be one of the longest movies of 2022 and really one of the longest comic book movies of all time. And that is The Batman. Of course, we're excited for this. I saw this two hour and 55 minute runtime. That includes about eight minutes worth of credits. And all I could think of was, why isn't it over three hours? You know what I mean? Like, I, there's, there's, when I look at this, I'm like, yeah, of course. If if Reeves needs this time to tell a story, give it to him. This isn't that crazy of a runtime. When you think of it, say, two hours and 45 minutes, Dark Knight was two and a half hours, Infinity War was the same, No Way Home was the same, Dark Knight Rises were two hours and 45 minutes, Endgame was over three hours, Zack Snyder's Justice League, of course, is over four hours. And so, a lot, the to me, the, the discourse around the runtime was that it's very long. But it's not actually that long relative to the majority of films that are put out there now. Like that two and a half hours, so it's like 15 minutes longer than a normal film. And for me, bring it on. Like if there's enough story, like look, there's two hours and 45 minutes of story there. And we've seen like two two minutes of it in the trailer. And those trailers have us all salivating. Imagine we get a whole, there's like two hours and... 40 minutes that we haven't seen of this movie, which is unbelievable to me. I'm so excited about this. The runtime, Carlos, the goddamn Batman. What more, what less, or is it up in the air? Do you just not care like I do? Just give me more. Oh, man. Like, I, every indication is that Matt Reeves has definitely crafted a pretty incredible movie here, and he's had the autonomy to tell the story that he wants to tell. And so, yeah, if, if that's the time that he needs to kind of introduce his mm. Gotham City and his characters, then I think that's perfect. And that allows him some moments to let this stuff breathe and it'll probably give you um, the ability to really get in the head of Batman and the Riddler and with a movie that's looking like it's going to be a bit of a cerebral match between the two the main antagonist and the main protagonist. Um, that's kind of cool that we're being afforded that type yeah. of runtime. So yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. And yeah, like in, by all accounts, like it's not going to be lacking on action. No. Like you can't draw a line between the action sequences that we, I haven't even seen the third trailer and I know there's more action stuff in those uh, based on gifts that's popped up in my timeline. But even the ones that we saw in the first two trailers, there there's two that are obviously from the same scene, but a whole pile that you can't, you can't string together. So yeah, I I think he's going to do a good job, like spreading that out and keeping the audience engaged. And yeah, I I can't say that I've ever sat down for Matt Reeves movie that I wasn't interested from beginning to end. So yeah, I say, I say, bring it. Mm -hmm. I say, bring it. And like the reality is, is that the assembly cut was almost four hours or over four hours. So he had that much extra stuff to work with and to tell the most engaging and 
compelling story that he could. That's amazing. That's amazing. Like that's, that's what filmmaking is all about is, you know, taking your big block, a block, a <clears throat> stone and carving out your perfect, perfect image from mm-hmm. it. So, and you don't want any shortcuts in this movie either, right? You don't want a shortcut with the Riddler. You don't want a shortcut with Selena Kyle. And you definitely don't want one with Batman or Gotham. And so mm-hmm. if this movie needs to be two hours and 45 minutes to get that story out, like you're saying, then I think it needs it. Ian, are you, are you kind of sitting with us? Do you, do you have, do you take particular issue with this being a slightly longer movie than, than most of the comic book movies we're seeing right now? Uh, yeah, man. I, I, I want a, a Venom <laughs> two, one and a half hours. That's, that's, that's enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest movie ever made. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, like, I think it's crazy when people start to criticize the, the length because it, you, I mean, you can't tell. You could get a, you know, a No Time to Die, which was like a two two hours forty five minutes movie, which was absolutely amazing, and you know everything in that movie needed to be there. Or you could end up with a an Eternals, which felt like five hours. I mean, <laughs> there's no way of knowing. But the the good thing is, you know, with a two with a, a movie that that's long, as you said, like Matt Reeves has a lot more to play with. And you got to think how many characters we've got in this movie. You know, we've got a Batman, we've got a Catwoman, we've got a Penguin, and we've mm-hmm. got a Riddler, and and that's all we know of. Like, you know, there are actors who are supposed to be in the movie who we haven't even seen in the trailers yet. So, you know, I I've, I think give give the movie as much time as it needs. Um, there's obviously a lot more footage that they have, and I think you know Matt Reeves is clearly you know, got his, knows what he's doing and he's, he's kind of made it a bit longer so we can get, you know, all of this goodness. So I'm really excited for it. I, I, I'm glad, you know, if, if it was going to go over four hours, you know, then maybe they could have split it into two movies um, and we could have got them, you know, quite soon after one another. But I think as a, as a first introduction to this character, this new Batman, I think it needs to be a little bit longer. We need that extra mm-hmm. runtime. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it, man. Super excited. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I, I think it's irrelevant the runtime to me. At the end of the day, look, I I probably if you go back into the archives, I probably banged on about Zack Snyder's Justice League being four hours and that being ridiculous. But at the end of the day, like it's a four hour movie that whizzes by and it's it's good, right? So mm-hmm. if you've got a good three hour movie like Endgame, it, it just kind of goes. If it's engaging, if you're there, if you're if you're loving the character work and everything, that's the important part. It doesn't matter if it's three hours, four hours, five hours. If you are into the story and want to see the characters, you need the space to tell the right story. Oh, totally. Well, it's funny that Ian brought up No Time to Die because I remember sitting in the theater and when they get to what you know is going to be the final stop on the journey, I was almost sad that the movie was going to be ending soon, despite how long we had been there, because it was just such a great ride. Like you said, Tim, that I didn't want, I didn't want to get off. Like I wanted to, it to keep going, like give me another half an hour, like go, go back somewhere. Yeah. To, just <laughs> I'm enjoying myself so much. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's all in the story. So mm-hmm. this, this idea that there is an idealized movie length to me, it doesn't exist. If you need an hour and a half to tell your story, tell it an hour and a half. If you need four, do it in four, but you just got to give everyone a heads up. Make sure that you have a bit of a break or take it easy on the water or the <laughs> the beer before you go in. 
and uh, and just prep for it. And even at that, right, at the end of the day, I don't think many people are going to not see this one because of the runtime. I don't think anyone at all. But you'll eventually get it in 45 days on HBO Max or whatever, and you can watch it in your, your home and take a pit stop if you really want to. So I think that, that's that's for me, you know. I, I want this movie so bad, and the fact that it is long and we're going to get the story, I'm game for Because to be honest with you, sometimes in movies, I think this one's going to be like that, where they're, like you're saying, it's cerebral, it's complex, you need to think about it. You need a minute to breathe sometimes in the movies. You need a down moment. You need five, eight minutes of downtime where you can process everything that's going on. And if you're not given mm-hmm. that, if it's boom, 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 and I'm talking like you go back to early 2000s, like most of those movies are like that. It's just like it whizzes by and skates over some of the moments that you maybe should appreciate more. And that's why I've liked kind of this like slowly drawn out runtime that's gone from an average of two hours to two and a half hours, an average from an hour and a half to two hours. You know what I mean? Like, and so this is doable. And like I said, there's no idealized runtime and the Batman's going to be awesome. So yeah, (laughs) it's going to be like, people are hype, man. Cause like just from trying to buy a freaking t-shirt, like I can never buy a t-shirt because every time i go there's only small <laughs> that's left and i was like this this product just got announced today so that that's what tells me that people's hype level is high yeah um you can't find anything from there and yeah like i said uh, unless you're a, a small person who can fit into a small shirt you're, you ain't getting no batman merch right now if it ain't tight it ain't <laughs> right man you gotta get that one that shows it off <laughs> Well, guys, look. I, 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 just, just to, just to touch on that though, it's kind of interesting hearing you guys say that because I think actually over here in Japan, like he isn't receiving the same level of hype, and I think that's just because of the fascination with with Marvel that they have in Japan. I think DC kind of gets the the short end of the stick over here, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that takes off because Joker did really, did really well here, and that did bring audiences back to those characters so yeah i hope i hope that that hype level does transfer over to to japan maybe nearer to the time of the movie or when it releases mm-hmm. so yeah i find yeah. it's like a, it's well, a quiet build it's not like the bombastic spider-man no way home give us a trailer every 20 minute tweet about it it's it's to me it's like just slowly rising appropriately right like there's this i often think of a lot of the batman in this this theme that's that slow and boom boom and like and i feel like that's the build of the crowd you know what i mean and we're gonna crescendo yeah. right in around march it's just like this bubbling below the surface of the hype and anticipation for the batman yeah no that perfectly said man like that that trailer music could honestly be the music for the the grassroots groundswell mm-hmm. of support for this thing because it, it's cool it, it's cool and just watching just watching social media where there's accounts that wanted nothing to do with new versions of the DC characters or uh, anything to do with anybody um, on this side of the house, just it winning over outlet after outlet. And it'll be cool. Like just as long as the movie delivers, Mm -hmm. I think it'll be uh, set a whole new paradigm for, for these movies. So, just give me that Zoe Kravitz hot toy, man. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's coming. Let's save that because you know what, guys? It's been a quiet week in Nerd. And so we're going to spend a little bit more time 
over in the Our Weekend Nerd segment. Now, usually we spend that time talking about our collectibles, our weekly pickups, but we're going to actually drop a little segment in there talking about scales of action figures, really. So let's move over there and have a little bit more of a drawn-out discussion in the collecting world, guys. So we're going to head over to Our Week in Nerd. All right, so... We usually kick off our weekend or this segment, our collecting, our pickups, our what we're watching, what we're reading with just that, what we've done this past weekend. And we've got some fun stories actually to tell you guys in just a few minutes. But we actually want to take a step back this week on the collecting side of things and talk about different scales of collectibles. This is a topic that we throw around sometimes with out informing people about why it's important to us specifically and we'd love to hear why it's important to you guys because everyone has a scale i think there's a preferable scale there's a a monetary reason for it but then there's also a nostalgic reason for it and there's collector focused stuff versus more toyetic more toy collector scales and we're just going to run down some of these and have a brief discussion about some of the more prominent scales and it's great that we have kind of this nice cross-section here at the table tonight. You know, I think I'm leaning a little bit more on the smaller scale where Carlos kind of transitions us and Ian has really taken up the larger scale stuff in recent memory. Well, also dipping back into the smaller scale, I think probably because of uh, this podcast. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so let, let's let's start by just at a high level looking at some of the main scales you know scales of toys have been somewhat all over the place and we refer to things in inches i guess the height of them but there's also the scale referred to at quarter scale one eight scale one six scale uh you've got your even down to one twelve scale and this is really based off of the average human being which isn't really true but the average human being being about six feet tall and so that is your your measuring stick and so of course, your uh, your one quarter scale would be a foot and a half. Say would be your that's you know some of the larger collectibles we get. Your hot toy scale one six scale about a foot tall, give or take here. And so that kind of sets you up for for how big some of these things are. And hot toys in general are about twelve inches tall. And you get right down, of course, to the collector scale that six seven inch. What we're seeing in the Marvel Legends Black Series and McFarlane space. And then you get down to the more traditional and probably the most popular scale of collectibles, which is actually, if you're referring it to the the scales of the six foot, is 118th scale. And that's your three and three quarter inch, your four inch scale figures, your Star Wars, your Marvel Universe type figures, G.I. Joes. These are your three and three quarter inch figures. And so this scale kind of somewhat determines cost. Generally, smaller scales are less expensive your three and three quarter inch sometimes can range anywhere from 10 bucks to 25 where when you get up to your your quarter inch scale your hot toy scale at one six you're upwards of three four hundred dollars at sometimes sometimes even bigger and we're looking at one right now <laughs> it's the joker no that's the the riddler the joker <laughs> it's hard to see man it's really blurry on my screen <laughs> it's a ri- see and I, I'll give you a, a, a clear line of my thought process is we, we were talking to Batman, you sang the theme song, and then you're doing the preamble there, and I'm looking at my figures, and then all I could think of was that scene where that score kicks in and the Riddler's face is right it's in the camera. Right there. And so, 
<laughs> yeah, so that's what I just did to Tim as he was doing his monologue there. I love it. I love it. Tying it all together. That's what I like. But yeah, let's let's let's. I want to go to you first here, Ian, because you, like all of us, you, you have a preferred scale, and I want to know why that is. Let's start with the larger stuff because that's kind of where you were, say, pre a year or two ago when you got back into the smaller scale, smallish scale stuff. But let's talk about like your hot toys, your your quarter inch scale, your one six scale, your yeah. twelve to to eighteen inch scale figures. Why why that scale? Is is it the the look? Is it the size? Is it the more bang for your buck? What is it about um, that scale? The displayability. It's a difficult one. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, the transition to it, there was a lot of things that kind of pushed me to the larger scale. Um, I mean, I started maybe larger scale collecting several years ago but it was you know i was actually a smaller scale collector i was kind of collecting the the black series um the hasbros the uh, six inch figures and it got to a point where they were becoming too difficult for me to get hold of mm -hmm. just because of you know uh they had like exclusive store exclusives they had event exclusives and all of these things were things in america so i wasn't able to pick up all of these figures and it was I don't know it kind of took the enjoyment out of collecting um and yeah i mean i think my first introduction there was a collector uh this australian guy who has a youtube i think called cool collectibles and he i started to watch some of his videos and just the excitement he got from picking up these these larger scales um and yeah, it was just that I was just looking around like a collectible store and I picked up my first one was like the Sideshow uh, Scout Trooper from uh, Return of the Jedi. And man, like it just sold me, man. Just like opening that thing just blew me away. Just the detailing on it and how great it looked and just having it posed there. It just it just looked amazing. And, you know, that that just sold it for me, that that kind of. Um, extra attention to detail, the the realism that you have there, and then there's other things like as you said, like just being able to display larger scales more easily in a way that I can just put them in a pose, put them on a shelf, and you don't, I don't really have to touch them, and you know they, it, I kind of feel it looks tidy and it doesn't look as cluttered and. Yeah, I just felt like it just looked neater. It just looked more. A little more, I don't know what's the right word, but a little bit more professional. Mm. And it kind of added a nice feel, a nice atmosphere to the room. And like every time I'd walk into my room and I have the glass cabinets with, the, you know, just these one six scale, it's just, you know, that feeling that you get when you see those things. It's a museum quality, right? Um, you walk in and you, you get that feeling, right? Yeah. And you don't, you don't, that's the thing. You don't look like, it, you don't feel like you're looking at a toy with some of these figures. They mm -hmm. do look like lit small small people they look like this you know they are movie accurate and they look like they've been taken straight out of the movie and you feel like you do have a part of that movie or, or that show you know in, in your room and it does bring back those memories and yeah i i liked it for that reason um but there are the other aspects of the the larger scale that i've started to to dislike and there are some things about them you know trying to keep for me living in japan like the weather here is the extremes between the summer and the winter we have really really dry winters and really humid hot summers and being able to to look after these toys is 
is quite tricky for me. Um, with the larger scale stuff, the problem that you have is there's a lot of fabrics and, uh, you know, everything's kind of hand painted. So they're a lot more fragile. And for me to like take care of these things and their, their longevity is a lot shorter than say a small plastic figure, you know, they, they, they use like fake leathers and stuff. And I have to always worry about these things. So over time, you know, there are, have these con concerns have kind of risen and, and it makes me question which is the best, mm -hmm. the best scale to, to focus on. But man, I, ca I can't really stop with the, the larger scale stuff and, Recently, I've even been talking to Troy about it, just the, the way that I was so into the larger scale. And I basically sold all of my small scale stuff. Like I've got over here the, the Black Series orange and blue line and I'm six inch figures and I'm trying to get rid of those um, just to make room for the larger scale stuff. And recently I got back into the smaller scale, but I do still feel like I want to this year move my focus back over to that that uh, one six scale and just focus on you know, more limited displays, but with these mm -hmm. bigger pieces, because yeah, I mean, just, just that feeling I get when I open these things and, and, you know, when I set them up and when I look at them is a little different than maybe what I'd get from the, the smaller toys. Yeah. It's such an interesting dichotomy that you bring into it with the different scales, especially the larger scale stuff. Cause there's a cost aspect of it too, right? They're, they are per figure, of course, they're a lot more expensive on a relative sense when you're if you're buying whole waves of black series and whole waves of marvel legends not really <laughs> you know what i mean and the other thing too that i found with the smaller scale because that's where my focus is is that you get not always but to a degree there's a lot more diversity in figure and mm -hmm. you, you can get you know i've got over a hundred mcu marvel legends and there's no way i would ever own over a yeah. hundred and i don't even know if there is over a hundred you're not getting figures or characters that aren't prominent right you might a little bit but in some cases it's your mainstay characters and star wars and marvel things that have been running for a long time yet you slowly build these things up but then you also you have like you're saying that that prestigious displayability of some of these you run out of space a little quicker well and to yeah, your point about being able to get them it's like yeah i can order the batman hot toy and I'll get it probably when the sequel is yeah. in post-production because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like yeah. two years now you're, you're waiting for these mm -hmm. figures. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. If only like how long did Captain America from Endgame take to come out? Well, we got that in 20, yeah. we got that 2021 and that movie was out mid 19. <laughs> so two yeah, years. I'm still waiting for my, my miles from Spider-Verse. Like, yeah. I mean, I pre-ordered that what, two years, two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. So there, yeah, so, there yeah. is that, 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 step away where i'm getting marvel legends as these movies are coming out I'm getting the black series mm -hmm. as these movies are coming out right you guys are getting the pre-orders for these large-scale stuff and so there's a little give and take yeah. with all of it with all sorts of collecting because on the flip side of things when you get to the smaller scale stuff like you said Ian, you're not getting the detailing you're not getting even the yeah. act the film accuracy for a good chunk of these not all the time they're not perfect right you don't have that that same sort of attention to detail it's sometimes about being able to reuse pieces, reuse to make these more economic for a company like Hasbro to make these things. So Carlos, Carlos, I want to I want to bring you into this because you know I've I've spent some time in the Batcave and walking in for the first time. You, you've got these wonderful displays, statues, and and everything that you've been collecting for a long time, larger scale stuff. And then over the last couple of years, very similar to Ian, you've kind of collapsed down into smaller scale as well. 
And so yeah, similar to Yin, it's uh, your fault. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude, it was you who got me into the McFarlands. I've got like fifty McFarlands up there or something. It's, it's insane. <laughs> but walk me through, Carlos. Your your kind of process in your head when it comes to scale. A little bit of your history with some of the larger scale stuff, and then how you've also graded back into some of that that six seven inch that the traditional collectors scale when it comes to action proper action figures yeah like i started long enough ago that there was such a limited amount of quote-unquote products out there that you could kind of dabble with everything right like the batman 89 action figure line was literally three figures Mm -hmm. right so you could (laughs) get the three little six inch guys and you're done type of thing so um yeah played with those and um there were some cool lines that came out and, and I was able to uh, put a good dent or like what for me was a complete run of a lot of those uh, figure sets. But then kind of when, when I got married, my wife or fiance at the time was just like, ah, you know what? Like your statue stuff is way cooler than the action figure stuff. And, um, uh, and I was an inbox collector at the time too. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I get so much more enjoyment out of the statues and they have so much more presence um, and they're easier to enjoy than these inbox kind of action figures. And so that kind of happened. And at the same time, much like Ian, I was getting really frustrated with uh, the inability to collect all the exclusives. Yeah. And there were like Mattel at the time was just going hard with the San Diego comic-con exclusives. And then all of the like U S retailer exclusives and whatnot. And it, and you're paying a lot of money for like a small, not very well done piece of plastic type of thing. So I moved away from the action figure collecting completely. And I've always been bad for just getting stuff that I think is cool, right? So I was doing the statue thing and then one sixth was kind of always on the radar, but it wasn't great. Like the first Dark Knight figures that came out were actually pretty terrible from Hot Toys. But it was a Takara 1-6 Batman Begins figure that they did. And that thing was awesome. So I, I grabbed that and that was my first kind of high-end 1-6 was the Bale Batman Begins from Takara. And then, um, yeah, I skipped probably the first three kicks at the can that Hot Toys had at Dark Knight figures because they just weren't good. Like the Joker was always terrible. The Batman was always okay. But I had DC Direct statues that did it just as well for like half the price. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, you know what? I'm good. And uh, it wasn't kind of until they did like the bank robbery version of the Joker that they actually nailed the likeness. And I, I started playing more uh, in that space and uh, still do the statues and still do them to this day type of thing. And then um, I found like a nice compliment to my statues was actually the quarter scale figures that uh, companies like NECA put out mm-hmm. and, like just recently um i got the neca batman returns figures and honestly pound for pound like they stand right next to some of my sideshow pieces and yeah like ones like i'd argue the neca quarter scale michael keaton batman head sculpt is better than the one on the sideshow statue which was significantly more expensive and those turtles i know you've got a few of those too those quarter turtles as well that neca has put out quarter scale turtles they're they're mm-hmm. they're awesome like they're they're pff, like rip right off the screen <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, and so you get this big, huge figure with tons of presents for like anywhere from like eighty nine to one hundred twenty five bucks Canadian. So, yeah, they're a steal. They're great. And then yeah, you buggers like. <laughs> It was once I started hanging with you and like the collecting of all the Marvel Legends and Black Series figures. And for a while it was cool because I could just like I, I was just the runner, right? Like I would I would work by a whole bunch of Toys R Us's and other good figure spots. So it's like, yeah, what's on what's on the hunt list? And I'd pick off things for you guys. And it was it was fine, right? Like I got to <laughs> live vicariously through you guys. And when they did the vintage X-Men those were a little hard to pass up because I had a lot of fun in my youth collecting the Toy Biz X-Men with a buddy of mine. So those were tempting, but I was able to stay away. But then it was Uncle Todd. Like Uncle Todd hitting with that uh, DC Multiverse line and you just got so much figure for a, a really reasonable price. And they just look so cool. And it was just neat to kind of play along with the This Week in Nerd because it's like, well, yeah, I ordered this and, you know, if I'm still on the show in two years, I'll tell you all about it when it shows up at my door. But, uh, yeah, it became cool to be able to play on a weekly basis just with the hunt finds and all that kind of stuff. And I and I do really love the small figures. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I get enjoyment from them. And, like, the Batman figures haven't even made it downstairs. They're kind of upstairs in my workspace because I play with them all the time as yeah. I'm talking to people. <laughs> fun work calls and all that kind of stuff i'll be messing with them and doing whatever and and that'll be kind of the way it goes and it's just it's just fun like i i do really like the small figures and um as much of a cruel mistress as black series is i've really enjoyed collecting the clone troopers Mm -hmm. and building out my daughter's collection of those guys so um yeah, there is something to be said for things that you can kind of get on a somewhat regular basis and you can always um, kind of play with and whatnot. But uh, I'll tell you right now, like, I'll never be an inbox collector again. No. Like, I, mm. the the McFarlands I have in box are uh, a couple of the platinum kind of chase figures and those are ones I just got lucky and found on pegs type of thing. But... Yeah, I just get so much more enjoyment just taking them out and posing them and doing whatever. And yeah, I love them. Like, yeah, and like it's funny watching your unboxing, uh, your unboxing of your Batman, and I just you just you know you, you just rip that thing out and say put uh, throw this box in the recycling bin, and I'm I just kind of gasp. I'm like, what? He's, he's throwing the box away. <laughs> like, oh yeah, man. I've just yeah. got like a cupboard full of boxes here. To my it, right. It's funny. I did that for a while, and then I'm like Carl's now. It's like, psh, 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 out it goes. Unless it was like, all right. I need to. I've do, kept yeah. a couple like of the it. exclusive Neca turtle boxes, um, just because they're like works of art themselves. Mm-hmm. The effort they yeah. did put into those, but other than that, like all the Legends boxes go in Black Series. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> oh man, like I said in that unboxing video, the greatest thing, like about the McFarlane toys figures is the boxes are just funky, chunky and kind of ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's no second thought. Like the, the black series ones, the new ones, they have the, the nice art mm-hmm. on the, on the corners and whatnot. And the odd one, I'm like, ah, you know what? We should keep this. Just, I, I like the look of it or whatever. But, uh, yeah, those McFarlane boxes, it's like no hesitation. Get that. They are get weird that clamshell out. Everyone's gone slim and trim and, <laughs> McFarlane's these like bricks. Man, I really <laughs> wish they did that with the Hot Toys, man. Like Hot Toys boxes are the ones that, that I mean the Hot Toys box takes up what two, three times 
the amount of space is the figure itself. <laughs> I just wish they wrapped that thing in some some bubble wrap, popped it in a, in a in a crappy box that I can just throw away afterwards because like you have to store those boxes and yeah. The thing is with the hot toys boxes, you have so many accessories that you have to keep and you know it'd be impossible to organize those without those boxes. Yeah. And any time you want to resell a hot toys, you can't resell those things without those boxes if you ever wanted to to pass them on. So yeah, I really wish that other other companies did that. Yeah, I think with the McFarlands, it's because it's like a universal box, mm -hmm. right? So, and because his figures are all to scale, um, I think he kind of has them for your bigger scale figures, like short of the mega figures, so that um, whatever, like the, the Catwoman fits in the same box as Batman with the big plastic cape and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's nice, man. Just being able to chuck those things, no hesitation. Mm -hmm. Or even like with the Hot Toys boxes, like some of them are like they're beautiful boxes. But to your point, and like if they would shave off like 20 or $30 off the price of the figure and just give me a plain cardboard box that's, you know, 100%, uh, yeah. It leaves a little bit of change in my pocket because, yeah, I'd rather have the 30 bucks to put towards something else as opposed to a box that'll sit in my storage room. It's almost two McFarlane's there. And the crazy thing is with those, <laughs> those boxes, like collectors want those boxes in the shippers because they want the boxes to be pristine. But like those Hot Toys boxes, you know, most of them are this kind of like this this black with a slight shine on them and like any kind of scoff on them, you know, collectors hate that. So it's like, you know, even in storage, I'm having to really take care of, of these <laughs> Hot Toys boxes, which which is pretty ridiculous. Like, as you said, knock off you know 20 30 dollars and and put it in a simple simple box that i can just throw away like mm -hmm. so much better <laughs> it's like fight club man didn't wasn't the line it's only a matter of time before the stuff you own starts to own you <laughs> i think we're there i think we're there <laughs> <laughs> no and and for me it's a, it's kind of a it's a story of the small scale stuff I've only got a few of the larger scale pieces in here. And it's funny because you guys got me onto this, this, what is it? Justin collectibles, YouTube, the YouTuber that has a lot of the quarter and six scale hot toys and, and figures and stuff like yeah. that. And I sat down and watched his, his whole video. And I was like, okay, this is going to be the video where I decide what my next hot toy is. I got through a 42 minute video, nothing. There's nothing I wanted to purchase, which blew my brain apart. But when I step back and look at this six to seven inch scale, your legends, black series, McFarlane scale, this is really where a lot of my more recent passion lies. And a lot of that was with 2013, the kick up of the black series. The first time that star Wars went to this more adult quote unquote collector scale. And they, it was a brand new line and I got in it on the ground floor and that's what really set me off with that scale. And then I got into, of course, the Marvel Legends, which Toy Biz has been doing this this scale, that six inch scale for forever. That's the Marvel Legends have been there since they they the really the inception of them. And they really though became popularized, I would say, in the last ten years, where that scale became the dominant scale for for collectors. Because previously, I think the majority of people were down in that three and three quarter inch, four inch scale the the mm -hmm. 80s and 90s action figure collectors were were all in that scale for the most part your gi joes your turtles your masses of the universe jurassic park and of course star wars that's where it's at and i think that scale in particular is very 
much nostalgic for me. I don't collect any modern three and three quarters. I don't do the vintage collection. I don't do any, they don't do the Marvel universe stuff anymore, but when they were doing it, I wasn't picking up at that scale. But of course I do go back and get the power of the force, the vintage. I did collect the sequel trilogy, five POA figures at that scale. And I think I, I like you, Carlos, the thing about both of those scales, the smaller scales is that the thrill of the hunt is another big reason I collect. I like going Mm -hmm. out there. I like grinding that moment when you find something, you bust it open, it, it displays on your shelf. And I've got details full here of three, three quarter inch Star Wars. And you guys have all seen my wall on Instagram and Twitter of all my Marvel Legends. And there's just something about that that scale that you can get it. It's accessible. Yes, it is getting expensive on some ends of it, particularly the Black Series. But it's it's to me it's the ideal scale is that six inch seven inch right you get kind of the best of both worlds for a cost that is for the most part reasonable and you're getting that diversity of figures like there's got to be pushing up on 200 black series figures since 2013 i would say Mm -hmm. when you're factoring all the different variants in that and your marvel legends i'm up over 100 just in the mcu and there's twice that if not more since 2014 really the ground floor relaunch of the legends line 2014 there mm-hmm. you know you're, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of of marvel legends and every character you could think of and so mm-hmm. it is interesting how everyone kind of varies a little bit i think at some point most of us we, we all started at that three and three quarter inch you know carlos you said with with the batman stuff the batman 89 i should say and i'm sure you and I know, you know, Jurassic Park and Star Wars and, and all that started at that scale. That's that's your, your child scale. But a lot of collectors yeah, still sit there. Yeah, I think there. It's, the, it's that transition mm-hmm. between like a... It, that was the kind of transition, like, it's interesting you said that the Black Series was your kind of change to that like, slightly larger 16th scale because that was exactly the same with me. And I think it was that transition from having something which seems like a toy mm-hmm. to something that seems like a collectible. Yeah. Mm. And I remember like the first one I got, what my brother got it for me was the Black Series Boba Fett. And I was blown away by this thing. I opened it on Christmas Day. It was just a surprise and it looked so realistic, you know, and it just, I just felt like this isn't a toy. This is something Mm -hmm. that I can display. Um, And that's what that got me into that scale. Yeah. And it was targeted at at us, right? Like that scale was targeted as like the the yeah. prestigious black and orange bo- like that box right it wasn't a a bubble box it was a you know what i mean it was it's it's a smaller version of these higher end one six one or quarter inch scale figures right the it slides out it's yeah. it's got this detailing the mad look of it it was it looked different it didn't like you said it didn't look like a toy on the pegs when that scale dropped right yeah. And even even the technology is just you can see it's advancing. Even mm. with the Black Series, oh, yeah. just seeing how the quality of the the figures have changed and how the the paint application on the faces and how how much better they're coming. You're just going back to the McFarlands, how cheap they are and and just how good they look. And I mean, you you also brought up a good point. Uh, I think Carlos was just saying just like the fun factor of the small scale. And I think that's why you know after seeing you guys getting a lot of these smaller figures and me picking up some of them. Like my, my focus is more on like the slightly higher end, mm-hmm. the, the Mafex ones. But, you know, I don't 
I don't worry about breaking these things. You know, I can bend them and I can twist them and I can get them into cool poses. You can fall off your and desk. And just looking at my you know. Mavic shelf, it just looks it just looks great. Like just seeing this, it just looks you know dynamic and it looks like these characters are actually in the cartoons and the movies that they're in. And that's something that I can't really get away with with the slightly larger scale. You know, you put them in a pose and you take a photo and you got to put them straight back into you know just a normal stance because the fabrics damage and the leathers bend and stuff like that and the, the smaller scale i do have a lot more fun with and that's why i can't don't think i'm ever going to be able to get mm -hmm. away from from that because it is just so fun to just pick these up you know just pick up my zombie cap and and play around with it and you know have him fight wolverine or something and you just can't really do that with the the larger display pieces mm -hmm. well there's something for everyone and that's what's nice about the, the different scales that are offered to us is that higher end, if you, if you want a more museum quality, a look to your room and there you go. But that's not to say that you can't go back guys. Look, every, every one of us has a variability of scales that are sat in our individual nerd rooms. And we've, we've come and go ebbed and flowed into, into the different scales and sizes here. And I've, I've yet to take a big leap into the large scale, but you know, it's there's there's always going to be something that that pulls you in, that interests you, that catches your eye, and sometimes you just got to step back and say, "Look, I'm just going to pull the trigger on this and worry about it later." <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, let let us know what, what what you guys collect at, what scale you collect at, why you collect at that scale, why why is the six inch or why is it the higher end stuff that that you collect particularly, and and we'd love to hear some of that. But you know, we gotta we gotta finish this one up, guys, this week. It, uh, we got back into our Weekend Nerd, our, our collecting discussions last week. And uh, I got to throw it to the Riddler here first. He's, he's on screen. And I, we, oh, it's, it's been a weekend for, for the goddamn Batman. And you can see part of his weekend actually up on our YouTube channel. He has his first video up there, an unboxing of the figures he's going to talk about right now. Yeah, um, you caught me off guard there, because once again I was just fooling around. You, uh, you segued it in. We were me, talking man. about the yeah the fun factor of these figures, and uh, there I am. I just get pulled in, and uh, couldn't do that if I had that big janky box just sitting here. So <laughs> that's why it's uh, now at the Calgary Recycling Center, and I'm enjoying the room. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, like after a month, if not north of that, with uh, being pretty good, like no plastic I, I think i picked up two figures in the last um couple of christmas season and and into the new year yeah we had a whole segment then, last week where we were both like yeah we haven't done anything and it's so nice to relax <laughs> and, yeah that exactly changed. That changed. so yeah that changed extremely this week um <laughs> you can watch the unboxing video the story's all there but uh got the word from my local GameStop that uh the Catwoman and Riddler figures had come in. So I was like, oh, shoot. Hopefully I can get down there. And I kind of put the bug in my wife's ear. And uh, bless her, she uh, headed down there and came home with not only Catwoman and Riddler, but and the Pattinson Batman. So, man, she is amazing. I freaking adore these figures. And you can see me gush all over them and um, or gush about them. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can you, you can watch the unboxing video that uh, we threw up in the nerd room uh, uh, 
YouTube channel there, but uh, they're they're phenomenal. Like, and especially that Pattinson Batman, mm-hmm. you couldn't ask for anything more. I thought he was figure. staring at me when you're sending those photos, like like straight laser eyes into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. They crushed it with that yeah, figure. Like, so it's good, so awesome. Yeah, man, that one is great. And then, uh, yeah, headed out with the kid on Sunday. So I was definitely living that Star Wars, Marvel, and DC life. Um, and we just kind of go on a quick little hunt. And uh, she finds a um, Black Series Bad Batch shock trooper. But he has the Ahsoka trooper helmet on it from the 501st. But it's like this Bad Batch shock trooper. And I was like, well, what the heck is going on there? Like somebody had, I don't know why, but they had taken the chase variant clone trooper head and put it on this shock trooper figure and obviously returned it to uh, Walmart. Once I started poking around a bit more and doing a bit more research, I think what they wanted was the pauldron off of the shock trooper figure. And so they had done a good job cutting that off and then cleaning the figure up. And uh, put this figure back, but my kid being like a massive Ahsoka fan, but not loving the traditional 501st Ahsoka Trooper uh, uniform, like even on the show or whatever, she'd always kind of been like, I don't want to spend the money to get this Chase figure because I don't love the look of it. But I was just like, ah, you know what? You, we're building out your clones and let's just get it home and I'll see what I can do with it. So... Uh, a part of my Sunday was we buy this figure, I get it home, and I ended up putting like a bit of a custom paint scheme to this guy and making him an Ahsoka Trooper. And he actually turned out awesome. pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. I, I was, uh, my initial plan to get him looking really close to the uh, TV version was thwarted by like the boots were cast in red plastic and they were impossible to turn white. Mm. So had to readjust but in doing that it actually made it kind of cool so i gave him his own pinstriping and all this kind of stuff he's got blue boots and um blue shoulder pads and then uh i I posted some pictures online and shared them and then i woke up the next day and i was like ah you know what that blank chest it's a little too stormtrooper for me and uh i ended up tossing on the ahsoka like her kind of star wars marketing logo or whatever on the chest of this thing and it looks really cool actually (laughs) thanks buddy and so yeah i'm pretty happy with how this figure looks and he looks he looks badass sitting with the rest of the troops there so that was kind of cool and then uh, my man tim on sunday shortly after we grabbed that figure he's like hey you want to head up to snap collectibles there and he'll tell you the story of our adventure there but um in finishing out the trifecta I ended up grabbing like the '90s original Spider-Man, um, Spider-Man action figure from uh, the '90s animated series toy line, and it's like the superposable Spider-Man, and came with like the little pin and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it's it's a neat little pickup because it fits good with my Spidey display there with the one or two retro card figures that I have in the package and the rest of the loose ones and whatnot. So. I'm happy to have that guy on my shelf, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun little weekend doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Well, I'll pick up on that thread a little bit about our trip up to to Snap. That's a it's a local collectible shop. Well, it's not local. It's about 40 minutes from my house, but <laughs> just outside the city. But it's a it's a place, and we know the owner Dave really well. And 
I haven't been out many places recently because of everything that's going on. And I finally just said, you know what? Like, let's let's just mount up and we'll head out and we'll have a time. And we were in there for what, Carl? It's like an hour almost, just kind of meandering about. And you were pulling out some Robocop stuff. And your eldest there yeah. was rifling through the Star Wars. And, you know, we had some bins out looking at JP and Ghostbusters and all kinds of stuff. It was just like a really fun trip where we're just soaking in the nostalgia when it comes to to toys like a little bit of everything oh literally man like at one point in time our pile had a matrix figure in it robocop figure in it and a gi joe figure <laughs> yeah. in it yeah it was it was a wild time he's got a, a wonderful blend too you know we just talk scales and all this stuff of just about everything you can think of and i get in there and i had taken a bin up to him cuz i had some you know, leftover Ghostbusters from lots that I had bought. And it, it was just kind of a, a mixed bag of random figures. And I tried to sell them online and couldn't really move them. And so what I've been doing is, is trades. And I, uh, this is actually my second big trade of the weekend, but I got up there and he gave me a pretty reasonable price. And I can, I understand it's not exactly what I wanted for it, but I can understand that he also needs to flip it at some point and make a, a little bit of a profit. But I'm overlooking at the the Star Wars stuff, and he's got not only action figures, but he's got some really cool pieces of of true Star Wars memorabilia, you'd almost call it. And I'm gonna pop it up on the screen here. I'll have a picture of this up on the Instagram. But this alarm, this talking alarm clock from 1978, I believe, caught my eye. It's in absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful condition. It works. It's got talking c-3po and r2d2 but it's a little record that plays inside of it as the alarm clock and so it's all distorted just wonderfully distorted and the vac metalized r2 and c-3po on here is pristine the everything moves the stickers on this there's a little bit of scuffing that i'm gonna have to work off but i just looked at it and i said i did not come up here to buy a 40 year old alarm clock but man, am I happy to leave with it. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bunch of toys that I didn't want in the room. They're mo- almost all of them, if not all of them, were duplicates as well. And so I just grabbed this and I said, you know what? I was talking this through with Dave and with Carlos. I was like, I think I have to have this. And I've never seen it before. And it was, a, you know, we did a straight up trade for things. And so there's really no money exchange. And... I absolutely love it. It is it is a piece too that not only has like this wonderful Star Wars aspect to it, but it goes this is like the first like proper big retro toy hunt that I've done in a while, like a long time. And so this piece will actually hold. I always like to have my pieces to have a little meaning behind them. This piece will actually hold kind of a moment in time where I was able to relinquish some of my anxieties around the pandemic and all that and just re-embrace the world of of collecting and i sent a picture of my dad my mom they're like this is awesome and my wife loved it and it was just a just a all around the experience and then i get this beautiful wonderful piece that goes with it it was it was something else man that's that's what i love about the hunt and going up there and we both walked out with things that were like we had gone up for very different reasons and both walked out with something that was uh, not at all on our radar well, the alarm clock was hilarious because literally you had a whole bunch of other things yeah. lined up 
And it was kind of at the last minute you saw it because you had never looked in that corner yeah. before. And you're just like, that's what I'm getting. Yeah. I was like, what? You shop for an hour and all this other stuff has to go back now. But yeah, no, it was it was a great little find and a great little time at the store for sure. Yeah, it was awesome. And I also did a little edit, extra trading with our, our man Marty over at uh, Phoenix Comics. I took some random figures up there again and he gave me a good price on them. And I ended up with, capping off the single pack figures from the infinity saga marvel legends so i got the odin and i got the mark three iron man as well and so i'm nicely filling out those last few pieces of the infinity saga another wonderful thing no money exchange and so this is the nice thing about going through your nerd room and calling out things you know you, you have a tendency in certain certain times to just buy things on a whim or because you've got fomo and now looking back on those things, I'm thinking, ah, do I really need this? And I'd gone through bins over the holidays and all this. And so I've kind of called a bunch of things together and, and he's usually really good. And he loves when I take Marvel Legends because some of those swing from the pegs. And so whenever I mention that I'm taking a Marvel Legends, his eyes light up. Oh, yeah, just go get whatever you want. <laughs> so I've, I, I cleared him out on quite a few things. The, the Eternals figures I did over at him and the same way with trades. And now this Odin and Mark III. So I'm happy to, to fill out that that Marvel Legends line a bit more. I'm chipping away at this slowly and getting good deals as I go. And so overall, yeah, I didn't spend any money, but I got uh, some awesome pieces for the the collection this week. And and it really kicks off 2022 for both of us, Carlos, which was which was a lot of fun. You know, like I said last week, we talked about how it was nice just just hanging out, and here we are, one week later, and we've got some some cool pieces. So check out our Instagram; they'll be up there. But Ian, man. It's been a minute since you talk collectibles on the podcast here. Let's hear what uh, what you've been up to. You know, it's it's post holidays. It's getting ramping up into the new year here. How's how's the collection in twenty twenty two looking? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just feeling a little bit down. First, like I don't get to go shopping with you guys. <laughs> Someday, feel, uh, left out. I I always go on the hunt by myself. It's uh it's a bit sad. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you here. But, we'll get you no, here. One day. We'll get you here. One day. <laughs> <laughs> Once we start making that that YouTube money, you know, we can get a company card and can fly you uh, That's it, economy. Yeah. No, 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 this business class stuff. Uh, I won't need to go in the hunt. I'll get sent toys. I'll be they'll be sending yeah. them for free. Yeah, soon. toy sapiens. Where, where are you guys at? <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Like for me, like the last same month or so has been a little bit quiet. Christmas is a bit of a crazy one. I know that like you guys kind of calmed down during December, and for me, I a lot of my pre-orders came in but lead up to christmas and i kind of just gave handed them over to my wife and you know mrs mrs santa wrapped them for me um but yeah like you know i got a lot of the the mcfarlane's the mcfarlane uh three joker line came through mm. um and just the odd the odd mafics i've been picking up here and there um christmas i got the hot toys gwen spider verse gwen but i haven't opened her yet that was a kind of christmas present but i picked that up that was like mid mid december time um but yeah over the last month or so it hasn't been such a a busy one last week early last week i ended up getting the sentinel peter b parker um figure the six inch figure and i'd been waiting for that for so long like maybe seven months ago i pre-ordered that and i was super excited uh, anyone who watched my my video of best figures of 21 knows that the the miles was my number one figure of that year 
And yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't know at first, but like I was actually making an unboxing video for this show, for the Nerd Room. And I tried to sit this guy down on the stand that it comes with and his legs kept popping off and I couldn't figure out what's going on. Like, you know, it's messing up my video. I couldn't get this guy to bend at all. And I've realized they've kind of packed the same pair of underpants, the same pair of trunks for the overweight version or the slimmer Peter Parker version. So I've got two pairs of tiny pants. So if I ever want him in Peter B. Parker mode, he can't bend or else he just pops off. Um, so that was a bit of a, a disappointment. He's still back behind me there, boxed. And I still haven't decided what to do with that because I really want to keep this figure, but there's there's none of them left. Like It would be impossible to get hold of an, a new one. So whether to keep him and just keep him in the Peter Parker pose, uh, Peter Parker version, or if I send it back, I'm not sure yet. But yeah, you guys have been helping me out, trying to share that on Twitter. <laughs> Hopefully Sentinel will pick up on those posts and see what they do. Um, they've actually stopped receiving phone calls and emails because of the, the pandemic, apparently. So I haven't been able to contact them properly again. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the only other thing I picked up was this. I'll put this on the screen, but everyone can't see, which is a He-Man oh, from sweet. Mattel. Um, and yeah, this popped up on my Amazon as a recommended figure. It's not. It's it's obviously a re-release. It's the a 2021 version. And it popped up. It was super cheap. And I know they are pretty cheap over, over there. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll just pick it up, bring back some memories. And... Yeah, like I know now, and this is another issue. I know now, Tim, why you do focus a lot on on your vintage collection because there's something special about this figure. Like just looking at this thing and just picking up and playing with it, and you know, just because it's so cheap, I can mess around with it. But it just brings back so mm -hmm. many great memories just looking at this guy. And now I've just been searching, trying to search for the whole line, and I got lucky because it was this was supposed to be the 2020 version where they put a new kind of orange uh origins head and uh they changed some of the weapons on it and i ordered that one and they actually sent me the new 2021 version by accident which is the vintage version so other than the the <laughs> ability to to pose him he is you know almost true to the the vintage version that i had in, in the 80s so yeah, it's just a nice little addition to to my collection. I can put that with you know some of my old older looking it's stuff cool. like my Ghostbusters stuff and my um, Transformers. And yeah, I don't know, man. Like I'm starting to think whether I should start tapping into that that vintage line because it does it's... it does have have a nice. It's there's something about it. Like just looking at this guy, and I, he's the one I want to pick up the most, and it's the one I want to just look at the most. And even when I was doing my work the other day, I just put put him down and put him in front of me in front of the computer just just to have him there because it just brings back those those memories well it's it's interesting because the the retro lines two years ago i was like super into them i was like this is everything this is so cool that's actually what piqued a lot of my interest with the vintage stuff and thinking about that and then like i had said earlier with our nerdier resolutions is that my whole collection is now shifting away from modern back to focusing on vintage and retro collecting and i've actually sold off all of most for the most part all of the retro remake stuff all the star wars stuff i gave some of it away and i sold or traded for mo most of it and i just said look this stuff 
is going to be 20 30 40 bucks per figure if i can take that and get a vintage figure for the same or maybe a little bit more i'd much rather have the original one from the late 80s early 90s right and that's kind of where my mentality shift went is that yes that potentially these retro remakes are more accessible at times but the money spend you know i'm not going to buy both i don't want to buy both which one would i rather have mm-hmm. it's the vintage and so it's interesting to see that that your mindset's starting to to waver a little bit here because i did the same thing with the playmates turtles re-releases i thought this is amazing this would be a great representation of those figures for me but it didn't satisfy me to the, the same degree that the original knowing that it has in the back of the leg 1988 playmates on it right like there's something about that that just is way more satisfying as a collector than a remake they're using the same cast using the same roto technology that they did for some of these but it's just not the same for me and so i'm gonna i'm gonna be actively pushing you now that you've said that out loud (laughs) (laughs) into that for me it's just like that i don't yeah i mean i could could look into getting you know one for, uh, an original one from the 80s the good thing actually with these these ones are just the fact that they do add that extra um mm-hmm. articulation mm-hmm. to the figure so you can actually get in some poses that you wouldn't be able to get with the original with the kind of stiff yeah. plastic arms and legs um it's cool though but yeah it definitely brings back yeah it is and and like i did it before i know like this is this was quite a while ago going back like 10 years or so but i started to i did start to pick up some old toys from when i was a kid there was this this line called Starcom, which was pretty popular in the uk um which were like these little space figures with magnets and i started to pick up some of those and it's nice to have some in your collection on display because it does it does it's that nostalgia mm-hmm. it does bring back that warm feeling did they have the magnets and the boots and then they would like the more expensive ships that would activate like lifts and stuff like that dude that's it yeah you're the only person i know who's ever heard of Starcom. <laughs> Yeah, I had some like somebody had given me uh, like hand me down or something, but like a very small set, and it came with like one one guy. And then over the years, like everything was lost except for the one little figure with the magnets. And in my parents' old place, like all the closets had like a metal um, uh, <laughs> metal facing on it on the front, and then in the back, obviously where the rails were and stuff. And so I'd had this figure for like the decades that we owned that house. And so when we moved out and I was the last person to walk out of the house, my daughter and I, we, I actually had like the last box had that figure in it and I actually took him and I stuck the little man on the inside of a closet door that they'll never ever renovate because there's a beam that runs through that. So they'll have to, it'll be a massive renovation where they'll have to take down the whole house kind of thing. If they, <laughs> so I know they won't wreck that closet. So I, I went into the closet and on a piece of metal on the inside of the closet, I stuck the little Starcom guy there, and there he will live. <laughs> that is an incredible Into perpetuity, story. I guess. <laughs> That's funny. Well, that was the last thing that happened at that house. Oh, man. I love that. That's yeah. something that will live forever in there. It'll come down yeah. with the house eventually someday. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you had one because, yeah, apparently, I, I looked into the story of it, and apparently like over in, in the U.S. and Canada, they, it's where they were first released, and they just didn't take off, and they weren't popular. That's probably why I had it, man. These... Somebody found it on the blowout at Wolko and was like, ah, I know who to give this yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Some great stories here, guys, this week. And I love doing a little bit of an expanded collecting talk. It's, it's nice to divert away from 
some of the normal news stories and all that and given it's a quiet week it's it was it was a blast talking about this and i hope you guys listening enjoyed this and we'd love to hear you know what you guys are picking up again what scale you guys are are collecting and also man talk talk to us about the multiverse of madness and those cameos you know who's gonna be in that film it's gonna be a fun one to 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 watch here and Guys, we've got Peacemaker, Book of Boba Fett running right now. There, it's just so much. That Peacemaker episode, ah, you know, I said it last week. I'll say it again here. I went straight to Peacemaker. I, I have not got to Bo- Book of Boba Fett yet. So <laughs> blasphemy, I know. Blasphemy, I know. So I'm gonna have to say it. Well, two episodes drop tomorrow. So or I'll have two episodes watched tomorrow. But just goes to show how excited I'm about <laughs> about Peacemaker these days. So. Let us know your thoughts, and if you'd like to be a bigger part of all of these discussions, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over at thenerdroom.net. The hunt is real, and some of this collection talk that you heard today will be over on Instagram, including my wonderful and beautiful alarm clock. I'm going to throw that up tomorrow, actually, so it'll be there a day early before this episode drops. And YouTube, we're building out the content there, guys. We're having a lot of fun. Everyone's contributing in a big way there's ian's most recent video a toy sapien spider-man festival you've got that the batman mcfarland's up there right now carlos is unboxing i've got the brief history of marvel legends mcu marvel legends i should say continuing this week with falcon video is ready to go so that'll be dropping this week as well so go over and give that channel a subscribe check out some of those videos and they're going to be coming once a week you will see a new video of some fashion up there from one of the three of us so we're having a ton of fun over there and it's really our man ian is leading the way with this one he is he's building out that he is taking the major load here of of building out our content there and giving some diversity inside of that a little bit outside of this podcast of course and last but not least twitter handles are at the end of the episode that's where you can find us for the most part running around talking about all things stars marvel dc and beyond so, with all that being said, and another week behind us, guys, I'm looking forward to, to reconvening and talking some nerd next week. But until then, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Batman. And I'm Ian. And thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade. Are. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.